0: singer-songwriter Josh Kelly stopped by the Songtown Studios, and he agreed to roll tape on part of our conversation. He is one of my all-time favorite vocalists and songwriters. You guys are in for a treat. We pick it up in the Songtown Studios with me playing him one of my favorite songs of his in our cramped little studio, Songtown. And I put that video together in Amsterdam. Yeah,
1: I was on tour. I took, brought all this footage with me. They might know your name and they might know your face, but I dare say they don't know your heart. <laughs> They've only seen you all put together. They ain't never seen
0: you fall apart. They don't know who you are.
1: But I get to watch you kissing the curls on the top of our baby girl's head. And I get to hold you while we fall asleep in the middle of our king-size bed. Everyone
0: loves you, but nobody loves you like me. Okay. Yeah. A dude. <laughs> When first time I heard this, it happened again. I cannot listen to that first line of that chorus without getting the hair standing. Really, up that, that like, makes me happy. There are very few songs in my life that I hear and that does that. Yeah, like there's just something about when you hit that tonality and that note on that chorus. And, oh, and just, oh man, that's great. Thank you so much. I mean. Hey, y'all, SongTown. Oh. <laughs> That's right. Sorry. We're, we're, we don't mean to exclude you. I just had a moment. Bear we're reminiscing. <laughs> Welcome, SongTown. I have a very special guest today. One of my favorite artists, singers, writers. He can do everything. Play instruments like you wouldn't believe. We were just sitting here talking about alternate tunings on guitars. So <laughs> um, the first time I heard this, cat was back in the early 2000s. Amazing!
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Two thousand three, amazing came out back oh, in the day. Man, what I mean
0: because that chorus was such a hooky yeah. pop song, but it had grit to it.
1: Yeah, you know? yeah. Country radio played it a lot too. Yes, and it was originally supposed to be a country song. Yes, it was originally um, actually like I said, baby, oh I'm baby, and um, I was at Old Miss at the time, and I came to Nashville and tried to get a record deal. I got. Uh, Turned down, then I turned it into a pop song, and I got signed in Hollywood. So,
0: you know, you when I heard that, it it felt like a country song ahead of its time. Oh, and I guess that's why you had to go to L. A. to and make it a pop song. Yeah, well,
1: no, so I made it a pop song at at Old Miss. So what I did is originally it was uh, something I did on my little Tascam four track tape deck. Yeah, and it was more, and I played a lot of things, sort of, you know. and three back in the day and, and um, a lot of sort of just blue grassy chords. Uh, and I found a studio in, uh, at Ole Miss and the, the engineer was a drummer and we needed a drummer for the song. Cause I played everything else. Yeah. And really it was just his style of drum playing the drums that t- changed it. Really. Yeah. I mean, I just sort of started following him when we were jamming and, um, and next thing you know, rebel radio was playing it and, it was a wild ride. That so song. it took
0: off actually, out of the south.
1: It took off and yeah, it took off in Mississippi first, and then I got actually I got signed because of Napster. I'm the first person to ever get signed because of the internet. Apparently wow. that's what they say. Wow. Yeah, isn't that wild? I created a scheme and it worked.
0: <laughs> it, it was an accident.
1: But I, when I figured it out, I knew it was going to work.
0: So how exactly did Napster help you? People just started listening to no, the song? So,
1: well, what I did is, I, um, you know, the song started doing really well, and I was playing shows it's just, as far as like just in the SEC. And, and I was like, I felt like a, a big fish in a small pond, and I wanted to be a big fish in an ocean. And I was like, how am I going to do this? And I remember my friend telling me about Napster, and he was like, you could put your music on Napster. So, what I would do is take my laptop, this old Gateway laptop, to the library where they had Ethernet at the time. And um, I put my music on there and I accidentally right clicked on this username, um, this unique username, this person who had like James Taylor songs. Mm-hmm. I right clicked on their name and all of a sudden this little box came up on Napster and it says send a message. And I was like, send a message? You can, I can send a message <laughs> to this person. And so that's what I did is I came up with an idea. I, was, I sent 100 messages a day every single day. And uh, so I would type in, like the next day, I would type in um, Dave Matthews. Mm-hmm. And, I would, and I would say to each person, hey, I noticed you like Dave Matthews. Why don't you try this kid out named Josh Kelly? You're going to love him. And I did this that This is the day.
0: stuff they taught classes about afterwards. I don't know. <laughs> you just like made it up.
1: I mean, if I'd have really known what I was doing with social media, I'd be a billionaire right now. But, but I, I just really wanted my music to be out there. And pretty soon, like within like two months, I didn't even have to host my own music anymore. Everybody else was hosting it. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and one of those days, like I think three months later, uh, I got a message back for the first time and it said, Hey, who is this kid? I like this stuff. And I was like, yeah, it's me. And the and the dude was like, "Well, my name is Eric Klinger. I'm an A and R guy for Hollywood Records. Can I call you tomorrow?" And that then it was just off to the races. So
0: you had just accidentally sent it to him, or did someone else? No, see? yeah,
1: he was an accident. He he had he had um, he had like Stevie Wonder songs in his library. Yeah. And I said, "Hey, if you like Stevie Wonder, you're gonna love this kid named oh. Josh Kelly." <laughs> and so he was just a recipient, and it was random. It's so random. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was wild. It happened very
0: fast. Well, I will say that you have one of the most soulful voices, so I can see why somebody uh, into Stevie Wonder would like your voice. Well,
1: yeah, I may have been stretching a little bit, trying <laughs> to tell people that if you like Stevie, you're gonna like me. But I mean, I was just so desperate to, to you know, to spread it out wide, and um, you know, I, I feel like I do have good soul. I feel like you know now my skills as a as a piano player and everything. Now, I feel like I could maybe do some, you know, be in that world a yeah. tiny bit, but back then, no, sir.
0: Yeah. You know, but it was fun and it worked. Thank so God. how do you, how did you go from this pop career starting out to actually getting to Nashville? Cause when I met you, you were on Capitol Records and you were a Nashville artist about to come out with your first record. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I had the success with amazing and I, I had that success again with, uh, another couple songs in the pop world and then eventually i can't remember when it was i got dropped i think it was like 2008 i got dropped from the label um and then i just started making the kind of music that i wanted to make you know instead yeah. of i i just kept on hearing from the label like we need another amazing we need another amazing it's like oh
0: i don't know what you do with that and There's it was so much worse. pressure yeah it
1: was so much pressure <laughs> But plus,
0: there's nothing worse than somebody telling you, go back and did what you did yeah. before.
1: Like, Which is really lightning in a bottle anyway. Yeah. You're just playing with music, and then something happens. Yes. And if you play enough, you're increasing your chances of something great happening. Um, but it was a good life lesson. I got dropped from that deal and, and did some independent records, and they did well. They actually yeah. did. They did so well that they called me, and they asked
0: me if I wanted to come back, and I said no. <laughs> and um, So... At one point I heard that you I don't know if that's the period you're talking about, but at one point someone told me that you actually recorded an album where you did everything on the record and had it distributed like at Walmart's and oh, you, yeah. you owned every bit of it. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I did a deal with um, with Target. Oh uh, okay. I did a direct I did a direct deal with Target. And um, oh. and I actually just walked into their offices. I think it was at like a Hawthorne building or something like that. I just walked right in. I knew what I was going to say, and you know, I've always recorded my own music, and luckily been good enough to play a lot of different instruments, and good good enough engineer and to make it sound good. So, you know, I had no overhead. You know, um, The only thing I would send it to is mastering at that time, and um, yeah, and I just walked right in and said, "I've got this, I've got this record in the can." I said, "Special company." was number one on iTunes as an independent artist. That was the record before, and I said, mm-hmm. I'd love to do a deal with you, and um, and we did it. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty neat. And you
0: owned it 100%. 100%, <laughs> and
1: yeah, and they you know they gave me some upfront money on it, um, and, but they did all the distribution, and it was like at every Target store. and um, Yeah, I don't know. I just think, I mean, there's a lot of that person that did that back in the day that I have lost a little bit. Mm-hmm. Some of that... Um, fearless, um will stop at nothing to get it done, you know? I don't know if kids did that, or I don't really know. But I was 100% fearless, and I was a big knucklehead back then.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, I've seen your um, social media, and you're doing things like leather work, and, I mean, you're, I, I love think you're, Yeah, I think I would call you like a modern day Renaissance. Right?
1: That's nice to say,
0: don't you think? I mean, yeah,
1: I don't know. You know, I mean, my wife always says like, you know, he's just he's the kind of guy just can't sit still. But I really love to make art, and I married the right person too because she loves it as well. She can, she's a great painter, and we've always had art days and stuff like that. But um, I have an obsessive personality too, so when I get into something, I mean, I go. All the way and yeah. it's all I can think about and it's all I search up on the internet and it's you know it's in my dreams and so the leather work has been really great for me uh, a really creative outlet and something about learning the flow lines of it too where you know it's really the most beautiful when your lines are right and and I've actually pulled that over into my music too it's crazy wow. into my writing um, it's I think there is a similar flow line to the way you write a song and to the way you produce it mm-hmm. um, when you choose to produce it. Some people start too early wow. producing a song, I think, before the song is done. And I don't know, it's helped me a lot.
0: Yeah, that that's phenomenal. Okay, so let's get back before I jumped off course. How did you get to Nashville? Oh,
1: so... That's a, my little <laughs> brother and Lady, Lady A. Yes, uh, you know, started having you know Charles. You've been you, know, you guys. Are I a wrote ton.
0: with him. Literally, I think it was six months before their first album came out. I wrote like the last song that got on their record, and then six, they were saying, you know, we're going to put a record out. They got signed, and six months later, they were on the radio. Like, yeah. I, I never saw it happen that fast. <laughs> yeah, like, it's a, it was It was so fast.
1: I knew it was going to happen that fast, too. They were living in my house in Nashville at the time, actually, and they were recording on my gear. Um, but uh, I think what happened is, is I came out here to visit Charles. I think it was 2009. And he he was like, you should be, you know, because I, I was there th- here for a week, and he was like, you should be writing here in Nashville. And I was like, all right. And so... Between him and some other friends, they set me up with a bunch of writers. And um, I wrote um, a song called Gone Like That with Clint Lagerberg. Mm-hmm. And my publisher company freaked out, and I think it got cut, like, right away. And, um, and it was really that. It was, like, coming here and really enjoying that process and feeling like I was going to, like, writing boot camp every time I wrote with a writer here. I was yeah. like you know i basically would drive to the session being like you know nothing be a sponge today uh, josh come on yeah i know it's true i want it's it's i know what you mean lyric though. boot camp man it was awesome
0: there is a craft that goes into lyric writing in nashville that it isn't really anywhere else it's different here
1: yeah so, it, it is so different and you know there are there are a bunch of rules especially back then there's like all these rules But then I actually think really what the beauty is, is that you learn these rules to make you better, and then you can throw them away if you want to. Exactly. You know, there used to be that thing like, don't repeat the same word twice. Dude, (laughs) I'll repeat the same word 500 times if I want to. (laughs) It's my song. But it's learning. It's learning that craft. It's learning where to go with a story, how to to give it more joie de vivre, like, you know, um, how to do better with a song than AI could ever do. Yes. That's what Nashville can teach you if you write with the right people. Yeah. That's what I think.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I, if anything, I think Nashville probably benefited from guys like you coming to town and going, yeah, the rules are great, but there's also this other side of it that is comes from the gut and the heart. Totally, And, and you know, it's more instinctual. So I think it's a good marriage.
1: I it's, do too. And I'm hearing it in country music now a lot too, where... You know, there's there's more of this. I grew up with a very percussive delivery. So, you know, if if the rules of Nashville writing didn't marry well with the way I wanted to deliver percussively, um, then I would be like, we got to find a better word. Yeah. You know, we got to find a better word that sings better. Yes. Even if it even if it reads better, if it doesn't sing right to me, it's not going to win. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I felt like I would always bring to the table is, you know, and Charles is really good at that. We, I mean, we both learned music at the same time, so and we were into the same stuff. So, you know, I think it was all crafted from, you know, Gail Kelly's love of the Doobie Brothers and my older brother's love of Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and Black Sabbath and Jethro Tull and all of that, just different ways that they percussively deliver their vocals.
0: And learning not just to sing words, but to create rhythmic hooks Absolutely. in the melody. I mean, that's what I always feel like the melody pulls people in and then the lyric like can take them to that deeper place. Yeah. But I think Nashville's finally come around the last few years on, okay, we need strong rhythmic hooks in the melody. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I, I actually, I totally agree because really too, and that's where the crossover comes from. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like you know if you can get Europe in it, you're winning, because you know I feel like in Europe there's how do I say this correctly? There's like not as jaded, mm-hmm. so you know they can tell when something just feels really good, and it works. Interesting. And if it, I, I, that's what I always think. I've discovered so much great music every time I travel, because they sort of gravitate towards more to that melodic feel, and then you know. The lyrics come
0: afterwards. I think. Yeah. So tell me about your latest project, because I've been seeing little snippets yeah. on Instagram and.
1: Yeah, uh, the latest project. It's 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 weird. I, I um, I'm in this space over the last year where I'm taking more time, and uh, this is going to sound really like spiritual and weird, but mm-hmm. I really do believe that that instruments actually have a song in them. I really believe it because it keeps on happening. um, Where I will find an old piano off of Craigslist or something in Utah, (laughs) and I'll I'll bring it. I get it for like fifty bucks. Bring it in, and the first thing out of it is something I've never played in my life. Chords I've never played, and um, it's usually just beautiful and cool and unique. And that's what's been happening. I mean, one of the songs that I'm going to be putting out is called Hard Hat, which is a weird title, but it's Mm -hmm. actually it's really pretty. And it, uh, it's a song I think I played on piano for six months, and I played it every night until finally the lyrics came. I just waited for the lyrics to finally come. One of those days I was watching my son play, and the first lyric came out of nowhere, and I was like, here we go. Yeah. Because my wife kept wondering, like, are you ever going to, like, <laughs> write to this? Or is it—it it just kept getting musically better. Yeah. But there was no lyrics.
0: Well, there's also this idea, and I've done this a few times, where— you got part of it and you go, this is right. And you mm-hmm. don't want to just force lyrics on top of it. Mm-hmm. You want to wait until you get that inspiration where the right words come.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I, I used to be, you know, because I used to love to get in the car and listen to it. So you kind of want that instant satisfaction, gratification, whatever, um, where you just will throw the kitchen sink at something that could have been great. Yeah. And um, now I don't do that. I let I let him breathe. I let him talk to me. And that's been helping a lot um, for this this new record. going to be very unique. Um, I'm trying to stay away from things that are too cookie cutter, but at the same time, I want to have a pop sensibility to it as well. So mm-hmm. it's been fun. Just kind of not, I'm just
0: not getting in the way. And I like your idea of, songs are inside of instruments they are it's a good excuse to keep buying new instruments isn't it though (laughs) oh
1: my god i just bought this uh this uh rubber bridge guitar which i love oh my gosh and the cool that tuning i was telling you about the d-a-e-g-a-d uh tuning which i think is sort of something that jacob collier uses all the time um i put this rubber bridge guitar in that tuning and i'm and i wrote Probably one of the prettiest songs I've ever written in my entire life. And I cannot wait for that one to come out. Yeah. So, well, I'm having a good time.
0: It's true. There was this guy in Nashville that played in Bob Dylan's band for years, um, Bucky Baxter. Yeah. And he owed my friend some money. And my friend said, well, don't pay me the money back. He goes, I got a friend that really needs a guitar. And that friend was me. And he says, just sell him sell him that guitar because you don't ever play it. So he sold me this little Epiphone guitar. Wow. I almost didn't want to do it because I was broke. I had no money, you know, no cuts on the radio. But I had been writing for like seven years in Nashville. Yeah. I promise you when I got that guitar, the first song I wrote on it, I got a cut. <laughs> f- I started writing hits on it. And I really believe there were songs no, on that guitar. No, 100%. That song, Loves You Like Me,
1: that you were just yeah. playing, that was a different piano that years before I'd gotten on Craigslist. It was this little spin, like this little Wurlitzer spinet piano from the 30s. Um, oh, wow. And it was, and um, I was playing those chords. And originally, the melody was always the same. Um, they might know your name and they might know your face, but I dare say they don't know your heart. But, um I was singing more of like like a Bruce Springsteen kind of song yeah. with those chords and then the real song came later. But the beauty, the music came from this piano. Just more chords I never would have played. I just literally it's just like going like this and then there and I don't know what to tell you man. Some weird spooky stuff, but yeah. I love it.
0: So it's it's part Part knowledge and craft, but yeah. the other part comes from somewhere we don't know.
1: Energy, yeah. I guess. I guess the, you know whoever was playing this thing put put something in it before, and um, and I'm I'm here to get it out, man. I'll, I'll I'll take all the instruments. Yeah, and I love it. And the hunt is fun for new yeah. gear. <laughs> exactly.
0: Okay, guys and gals, we appreciate. This is the first time I've ever gone through an entire interview and not said the name of the person we are interviewing. (laughs) So this is Josh Kelly. (laughs) Amazing, amazing Josh Kelly. Check out his Instagram, his socials in the liner notes. And thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for
1: having me, Clay. This is awesome, man. Appreciate it, brother. Right on. Cool. Peace.